When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. in the backfield. McCarty's in to help block. Riley drops back, steps up to the pocket and unloads down the field and that is complete. Brandon Zilstra is going to the house. Touchdown Eskimos. What a bomb. 78 yards to Brandon Zilstra. Touchdown Eskimos. Well, I was negligent in the last half hour of the show. Had a Brandon Zilstra interview. Didn't have a Brandon Zilstra highlight. There's his uh, big touchdown against the Argos. Eskimos won their last five, finishing 12-6. and six. Third in the West Division. Third in the entire league. That, of course, gets you a road game. One of many things I'm going to bring up with our CFL roundtable here. First of all, Jamie Nye from CJME Radio in Regina. Jamie, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Very well, Reed. Thanks for having me. And also going to bring in Rick Zamperin, who is uh, covering the Ticats for CHML in Hamilton. Rick, thanks for coming back on. How are you? Gentlemen, my pleasure. Good evening. Yeah, good to have you guys on. Let me just dive right in. No sense beating around the bush. Playoff format. I say it's got to be changed. One nine-team league is fine. Leo, Edmonton and Saskatchewan both deserve a playoff home game, a league quarterfinal, as it would be called. Jamie, am I barking up the right tree, or have I totally gone mad? I've brought this up on several occasions on a nine-team league until they get a tenth team and maybe swing back to the divisional uh, format because it's an uneven schedule right now and the East is playing more games against the West anyways, and uh, that, that's what I see. I, it looks like a one-division one league right now, the way the schedule's set up. It's not really weighted that heavily one way or the other, sadly enough. I think it should be uh, because the East teams play 10 games against the West and only eight against their own division. That doesn't make sense, and if you're not going to go to a one-division uh, league, at least weigh the schedule so the Eastern teams are playing each other more often in their own division than there are against the West, and then we won't have this discrepancy of the top four teams in the league being in the West and the fifth and sixth team in the playoffs getting home field in the playoffs. Rick, where are you on this? Well, I'll jump in. I'll play devil's advocate. And if you had a one-division league, you would have had Montreal, Hamilton, likely Ottawa, probably B.C., uh, well out of the playoff picture by the midway point of the CFL season. And in a gate-driven league, the fans may have said, the heck with this, we're not going to the games, and those teams would have lost out big-time revenue-wise. 
I do like the idea of a one division league, uh, like a Premier League in the English division uh, soccer, but uh, you really alienate those teams who really struggle. Now, yes, it puts pressure on them to perform, uh, but uh, again, in a gate-driven league, that would really hurt. Well, I, I Toronto, BC would have been for the last playoff spot too, right? If it's a if it's a one division or just a no no division, so I, I don't think they need an East West Grey Cup anymore. I think fans want to see the, the the best teams. I wonder if uh, Ambrosi is is going to look into this. I think I do think there's enough of a grassroots push from fans that it should be at least uh, be considered. All right, uh, another question for you guys here: CFL Most Outstanding Player. Rick, I'll start with you. Is it going to be an Eskimo for the first time since 1989? Uh, man, you can make a case for a lot of the guys on this list, but my vote squarely goes to Mike Riley. I mean, here's a guy who's led the league in, in passing yards, uh, led the league in touchdowns, or at least tied for the most touchdowns, has the, has the most rushing touchdowns. Okay, so the team didn't finish first overall in the standings, but, I mean, without Mike Riley... I know there's a lot of talk about James Franklin, but, I mean, without Mike Riley, this Edmonton Eskimos team is a completely different team. And, yes, you can say that about most starting quarterbacks in the CFL, but this guy is just unbelievable, a physical specimen, uh, a true leader, uh, I think is the most outstanding player in the CFL in 2017. Jamie? Yeah, if it's not Mike Riley, I'll be more outraged about that than I will about <laughs> two divisions in the Canadian Football League uh, because... Uh, his play of uh, the, this season has helped the Eskimos to that seven-win start, which was pretty well all on Mike Riley because all the injuries that were going on, it was amazing they were 7-0. and And now down the stretch here, 5-0, and he's, he's got this team cooking into the playoffs. So if you're picking one quarterback to, to have on your side to win it all uh, this season, it's definitely number 13 in green and gold. All right. Well, the, every- issue is, the issue is, too, not, not to jump in, but... If not Mike Riley, then who? I mean, you go down the list, and yeah, they're all good players, but I mean, they don't really jump out at you. Yeah, Ricky Ray's an outstanding player. Solomon Elamin's a tackling machine. Uh, you know, Deron Carter is a sensational player in Saskatchewan, but to me, I, I think they're all a step behind Mike Riley. Rick Zamperin joining us, covers the Tiger Cats for CHML in Hamilton. Jamie Nye on the show, former 630 Chet employee, now with uh, the Green Zone, CJME Radio in Regina. Guys, I, I, I'm I going to throw this out there for our next uh, postseason pick, and I don't have an answer myself because I honestly think I could come up with four or five guys who deserve it. Jamie, I'll start with you because one of the guys who's a candidate – coaches in Regina, coaches the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who is the coach of the year? And and maybe we have to wait till this, we see how the postseason uh, goes to decide. But Jamie, who's the coach of the year? Well, we, we've already had a vote on this, the, the voting contingent uh, for the East and West uh, nominees. And uh, there's a debate we had on the show, is should, should it be kind of weighed? Should we do a vote after the regular season and then a vote after the playoffs and cut them 50-50 and see where the votes lie for coach of the year because it's a, it's a tough one. It used to almost automatically go to the Grey Cup champion coach, but when I, I look across the board, Jason Moss, the blemish is a six-game losing streak, and uh, some of the actions we've seen and barking at players and coaches on the sidelines, uh, that's the knock against him. Uh, Chris Jones, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from five wins into now ten wins and back into the playoffs. 
and has really built this team, and they're they're cooking down the, the stretch here. But uh, I I think it's Mark Tressman with the Toronto Argonauts because of he came into it late. He came in after free agency uh, to start kind of building this team with Jim Pop, and he had a late start on everybody and took a team from last place in the Canadian Football League to hosting the East Final. And I know it shouldn't just be most improved team gets the coach of the year, but uh, I think Mark Tressman has rejuvenated the career of Ricky Ray and really rejuvenated a franchise who, who desperately needs it in Toronto. Well, I'm glad you brought up Tressman because I, I think he's a bit of an X factor that that makes the Argos very dangerous going into the into the playoffs. Even though they were, you know, just nine and nine, I think they got better in a lot of ways as the season went on. Uh, Rick, Coach of the Year, what are you thinking? Uh, you know what? I, I can really see Tressman, uh, you know, getting the award. I didn't expect Toronto to get nine wins, especially with you know Pop and Tressman coming to the team so late in the game and having so many changes personnel-wise. But I'll throw two other names at you. Number one, Mike O'Shea. Uh, you know, uh, I know they have a lot of talent on the field, a much better team than in years past. Andrew Harris obviously makes a big difference. Matt Nichols had a career year. But Mike O'Shea, a 12-win season. I didn't, I didn't think they'd get that high in Winnipeg. And another name I'd throw in, and I'd love to have seen more out of him, was June Jones here in Hamilton. I mean, the guy took a sad sack 0-8 team and made them a winner. They were 6-4 and four under Jones and uh, I would have loved to see 18 games out of him to see what they would have done. Well, let me ask you a couple market-specific questions and Rick, I'll start with you and Hamilton about June Jones. What did he do to make the Tiger Cats, and, and you know what, watching them the last half of the season, they were actually pretty exciting to watch most weeks, win or lose, as opposed to just being a doormat for the first half of the season. What did Jones do to, to make that change happen? I think for, you know, apart from making the quarterback change, because Zach Kalouros was really struggling, and, and Jeremiah Masoli, you know, hadn't really been given that much playing time, at least consistently, I think the, the one big thing that he did do was just kind of let the air out of the room and say, all right, let's relax and press the reset button, and it's a whole new year, and what do we have to lose? Uh, and let's be that first 0-8 team to make the playoffs. And, I mean, they made a good, a good run, but I think he just – let the players play and, and made some interesting decisions. You know, obviously uh, showcasing Brandon Banks on offense a lot more certainly helped. You know, running the ball um, uh, with more consistently in the second half of the season certainly helped. And I think the defense uh, played remarkably better compared to the first half of the season. So I think those three kind of key moves, the QB, Banks on offense, because he was a superstar in the second half, and just fine-tuning that D, I think, was uh, the, the the top three reasons why this team looked a lot different in the second half than they did in the first half. All right, Jamie, your Rough Rider-specific question, and I'm sure you know this is coming because we talked about it a couple times throughout the season. Like the Eskimos, the Riders would have to win two road games to make the Grey Cup. Unlike the Eskimos, the Riders don't have an MOP candidate at, at quarterback. It's been interesting watching how Glenn and Bridge have been handled over the last, uh, well, last month or so of, of the season. Can this team do enough offensively to possibly run the table, or, or is that your biggest fear is the Achilles heel moving into the postseason? Uh, it is for me. When I evaluate the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I think they have the receiving core to do it. I think they have the defensive line with Willie Jefferson, who could be a league all-star this year they have Ed Ganey the top the interception man in the league and a pretty decent secondary and and some talent in the linebacking core I think they have what it takes to 
to do some damage in the Canadian Football League playoffs. But when you look at the quarterbacks, uh, and I, I ran through it on my show today, is how much faith do you have in Kevin Glenn leading this team? Because I think it will have to be Kevin Glenn. If they're throwing Brandon Bridge in the game, that is because they're not playing well. The offensive line isn't blocking well. They need someone to mobile, and they're probably already down 10 nothing in the game, and that's not a good sign in the playoffs. So they're going to need great performance by Kevin Glenn, but let's match him up. Okay, he has to be Trevor Harris, who has been undefeated in games he started and ended in the back half of the season. Right. The, the Red Blacks are 6-0. and uh, Then he's got to beat Ricky Ray and the Toronto Argonauts. Then he's got to beat... Mike Riley or Bo Levi Mitchell or uh, a healthy Matt Nichols if he can get there with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And, and you put Kevin Glenn sixth on the list of quarterbacks heading into the postseason, and that that is going to be the tell-all sign is can Kevin Glenn finally do it and, and lead a team to a Grey Cup and win the thing as he led the Bombers there in 07, and of course he broke his arm in the East Final, and then in 2012 they lost the Grey Cup in Vancouver, uh, lost the Grey Cup in Toronto in the 100th Grey Cup. So that's, that, that is my biggest concern if you're a, a Ryder fan looking at it is, do, do we have the quarterback to compete with the elite five in the Canadian Football League? Yeah, I think that's a really good point because that Riders team is dangerous and, and fast and confident in a lot of other areas, but that might be what holds them back. Jamie Nye, Rick Zamperin joining me, Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad, CFL postseason roundtable. Okay, guys, let's pick this weekend. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I, I am going to be, uh, well, I don't, I don't think it's a homer pick. I am going to pick Edmonton to, to win in Winnipeg. I think the Eskimos have put some stuff together here uh, in terms of getting a little more confident and a little more precise. I think C.J. Gable's a huge addition at running back because he can block, he can run, and he can catch out of the backfield. And if Nichols isn't healthy, you know, even with Andrew Harris, that's that's a big advantage for the Eskimos. And I think if Lefevre plays, uh, I, I think Edmonton's you know could could really control the game. As for the East, Jamie, I share your concerns and I share my respect for Trevor Harris. I think the Riders um, can fly around enough and make enough plays on defense and special teams that I am going to pick the Riders to win a squeaker this weekend, though I don't think they'll be able to do it two weeks in a row against uh, Toronto in the East Final. But I will take Edmonton and I will take the Riders. Both road wins, which doesn't happen often, but I'll pick it in the division semifinal. Rick, what do you think? I like the Eskimos in the West. I think they just have too many weapons. Uh, I think that uh, they're a well-coached team. Not to say Winnipeg is not, because I like Mike O'Shea as well. Edmonton has that X factor. Right? You know, you look at the two quarterbacks, and Matt Nichols, uh, you know, I, yes, he's had a career year, but you know, how healthy is that calf? Is he going to be 100%? Uh, are they going to have any kind of uh, you know uh, home jitters being in the playoffs with, with expectations a little higher now? You know how do they handle that? Edmonton's been there, done that before over the last several seasons. I like this Eskimo team. I mean, they're they're a, a team that should not be taken for granted. I think they could go all the way. Uh, in the East, I do like the Red Blacks. Uh, you know, I Trevor Harris is uh, you know one of those quarterbacks that when he's on, uh, he's one of the best in the league, and he's been on more often than not. Uh, this season, I like their run game and their defense has played a little bit better over the last, uh, you know, few weeks of the season. So I like the Red Blacks to take it at home. Jamie, you're the uh, you're the only guy here who has covered both the Eskimos and the Rough Riders firsthand yeah. in your career. <laughs> what do you think this weekend? 
Uh, well, if it's Dan Lefevre, it is the Eskimos in a walk in the U.S. semifinal, I think. Uh, uh, but if Matt Nichols can go, it evens the playing field. And my, uh, I don't know if it's an X factor or anything. It is, can the Eskimos stop Andrew Harris? As he has eaten them up uh, a lot this season, over 200 yards in one game, 150 in another, if I, I'm not mistaken. And both Winnipeg wins. Uh, so that, that is going to be, uh, th- these are both, coin flip games, especially if Matt Nichols is at quarterback, but I don't think he's 100%. And I'm, I'm, I'm picking Mike Riley to lead the Edmonton Eskimos in a win there. And out east, uh, in the east semi with the Riders and the Red Blacks, I think this is another game that's going to... Both games this season between these two teams have been one-point victories. One for the Red Blacks, one for the Riders. So it's been even Steven pretty well all season long for these two teams. The Red Blacks record, I, I think is not as telling as how good a team they are. They're 8-9-1. and one. I think they're more of a 10 or 11 win team because of all the close losses. But the Riders turn over the ball on defense. They, t- they have a lot of takeaways. The Ottawa Red Blacks give it up. Uh, so that's where I think the Riders can win this game is that turnover ratio as they do fly around. They have Ed Ganey. They have w- Willie Jefferson. So I, I-, I think it's the Riders by a point just to stick with tradition of these two teams <laughs> in, in Ottawa. There you go, Jamie. You're the only one who stepped up and gave an actual point differential, so good for you. Guys, it, it's going to be fun. I, I really think this is a good six-team field uh, despite the records of those uh, Eastern teams. Uh, like like Jamie said, Ottawa had tons of close losses, and and uh, Toronto really it, it, Toronto looks really dangerous to me. Wilder's a great running back. you got Ray and Green, and, and Tressman's a, I think gives them an advantage at, at coach against most teams. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Enjoy the postseason. We'll talk again soon, okay? Yeah, thanks, Reed. Got it. Take care. Right on. That's Rick Zamperin checking in. Covers the Tiger Cats for CHML in Hamilton. And Jamie Nye used to work in the 630 Chet Sports Department, now the host of the Green Zone on CJME in Regina. So all three of us taking the Eskimos, uh, though I think Jamie thinks it's going to be a little closer if Nichols plays. And uh, Jamie and I going with the Rough Riders to win on the road, but Rick taking Ottawa to win at home. Going to be fun on Sunday. Uh, you can text your picks to 630-630. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Adarius Bowman, Eskimos nominee for the Tom Pate Award for work in the community. Good stuff by him. Oilers play the Devils tomorrow. Furnace Family Oilers hockey will start at 3.30. The game will start at 5. Furnace Family, Edmonton's furnace replacement experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Won't see Drake Kajula tomorrow, though the good news is nothing broken after he blocked that shot yesterday against the Islanders. Anton Slepeshev, we will see if he's able to play. He did skate on a line with Lucic and Nugent Hopkins today. Played against the Devils on Friday. He, he has missed the last two games. Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. Chad, we'll talk a little PBR when we come back after the news. Kellen Kennedy is the studio producer of the show. Kellen, you took some time off, didn't you? I did. Well, where did you go? Uh, Las Vegas. And what did you do? Oh, everything. 
What didn't I do? <laughs> well, did you watch a little drag racing? Yeah, I did, yes. I was down there for the NHRA Toyota Nationals, which was the second to last national event of the NHRA Mellow Yellow Drag Racing Series for 2017. Any Canadians in that? Uh, there were quite a few. Uh, Ken Webster from Red Deer finished in the quarterfinals, a top alcohol dragster. Uh, there was a fellow from Quebec that was also running in top alcohol dragster. The, the name escapes me right now at the moment, unfortunately. But... Uh, and several local uh, racers from here in the Edmonton area were running in some of the uh, the smaller sportsman categories as well. Uh, Darcy Clark, actually, shout out to him, won Best Engineered Car uh, Award for the Toyota Nationals. And I believe he's from the Spruce Grove area. So, Well, we'll have to maybe try to get him on the show. There we go. Good yeah. stuff, Kellen. Yep, that All was right. great. 730 News coming up. Bull rider Cody Coverchuck. He's dedicated his season to someone very special. You'll find out who when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. We've got a text here to 630-630 from James. He says, Reed, I'm picking the Eskimos this weekend. And he also says, because they're the only team Edmonton didn't beat this year, he's taking the Ottawa Red Blacks. Thank you, James. And he actually wrote it that I had to say it that way when I read his text on air. So there we go. Uh, it is Inside Sports on <laughs> 6.30, Chet. Uh, of course, we've got the Oilers broadcast tomorrow, another edition of Inside Sports on Friday. So we'll have more uh, CFL and Eskimos playoff talk. I can also tell you that uh, I, I expect the announcement to be made tomorrow morning that uh, Alberta Golden Bears running back Ed Ilnicki will be named Canada West MVP, first Golden Bear to win the award since running back Jared Winkle in 2003. And by winning the league award, Ilnicki will be one of the finalists for the Heck Crichton Award given to the uh, best player in U Sports football. So we'll keep an eye on that. The PBR Global Cup starts tomorrow at Rogers Place. One of the guys riding for Team Canada is Cody Coverchuk. Cody, you're on with Reed Wilkins. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, it's great to check in with you. So the uh, the tell me this, the, the night before a big bull riding event starts, what's your preparation like? Uh, get a good night's sleep, and uh, that's about it. Uh, get up early in the morning and go to the gym. Get ready. So what what will you what will you do at the gym? Like, are you a big lifting guy, or are you doing some cardio, or what's the workout involved? Uh, definitely not a big lifter. I'm a pretty light guy, but uh, yeah, lots of cardio and just try to stay uh, yoga stuff like that. You know, try to stay limber. Oh, excellent. Okay, Cody. I'm curious to ask you, how tall are you? Because it's my experience. I mean, you don't. I haven't met a lot of six foot four bull riders. How tall are you? And is there an advantage to being a little smaller if you're a bull rider? Uh, it's all in. I am personally five ten, and I'm a or five ten, five eleven. I guess I'm in my cowboy boots, but uh, and I'm a tall bull rider. So, you know, there's more uh, real estate for me to get stepped on after the fact, but. So that's yeah. There's there is a little bit to be 
mid more to being tall, I should say. Okay, so uh, so if you're bigger, you might get stepped on. In terms of being on the bowl, would there be an advantage to being taller or shorter? Um, I don't really think so. You know, uh, you kind of just adapt to your size and learn to ride the bull your way. Okay, Cody Coverchuk, he's going to be competing at the PBR Global Cup Rogers Place. Starts at 7 the next three nights starting tomorrow. Where are you from, Cody? I'm from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. How old are you now? I just turned 23 in March. Just turned 23. How did you get into bull riding? I was actually a dare for my brother. <laughs> oh. See, it was a dare for me. There's got to be more of a story behind that. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, he was a saddle bronc rider, and he dared me to get on a cow when I was 12, and here we are. <laughs> did, did the cow buck you off? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> when was your first competitive bull ride? Um, at the age of 12, I started traveling around to amateur associations, and then as soon as I turned 18, I came to the PBR. Okay, so did you, how do you make the PBR? Do you have to be recruited? Do you have to try out, or what? Uh, no, you can buy your card, and you just enter, and you can go, but uh, they take it goes on world standings. So you kind of have to, if you buy your card and you go to a few events that you get into, the lower class ones, you won't get into the higher ones if you don't start placing and stuff like that. Oh, so it's almost like there's a minor league system, like you got to work your way up, or, or trying to make the PGA Tour, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, well, you've done pretty well. Uh, well I'm just looking here. You were uh, third in the national standings. You finished seventh at the Canadian Finals. You got uh, 13 top five finishes. You won a couple events. Well, is this your best year so far? Uh, yeah, actually, on paper... It kind of is my best year, but uh, I've had better years in the amateurs, riding more bulls and whatnot. But, uh, you know, it's just each year is a different year. So, you know, with the injuries and stuff, it was, it was a good year for sure. What do you like most about the sport? Because it obviously can be pretty dangerous too. Oh, for sure. Um, what I like most about the sport would have to be, you know, just the adrenaline rush of riding the unridable bulls. What's the worst injury you've ever suffered? Or maybe you've been lucky, you haven't had one. Yeah, no, no, I haven't been that lucky, but I've been pretty fortunate. But I shattered my jaw once, and that was probably the worst one. I had a blow out my knee once and uh, tore my shoulder all once. Now, was the jaw from landing, or did the bull step on you? No, I actually got ripped over his head, and his head came swinging back and hit me right underneath the jaw. Oh, geez, did you, were you knocked out? No, I stayed fully awake for it, and uh, I actually had to push off his head to get away from him. Oh, my goodness. Okay. How much did that hurt? Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, about an 11. Oh, <laughs> jeez. Well, I know you guys are. I know you guys are tough, and uh, Cody, we're having some fun here. But you're tough for another reason as well. And I, I know we want to. I want to bring this up because uh, I, unfortunately, you lost your father almost uh, a, a year ago. Just, and I know you've dedicated this season to him. Tell me a little bit about uh, about your dad, his impact, maybe not just on you as an athlete, but you as a man as well. Uh, yeah, you know, my dad always taught me just. Uh whatever it takes, you know, you just keep moving forward in life, and unfortunately he passed away last December 7th, so, you know, this year's kind of been my year to dedicate it to him. Hasn't really went as planned, but uh, this is the biggest event that I've ever competed at, and it sure would be nice to win it for him. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Bruce is your dad's name? Yep. 
that's right. Yeah, was he now? Was he uh, an athlete, a cowboy, or what? What was he into? Yeah, he was a cowboy for sure. But uh, they were. He was personally into racing chuck wagon horses. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, I used to live in Lloydminster, so I covered uh, chuck wagon racing for a lot of years, mostly the Canadian circuit. But there, are, there are a lot of drivers from the Meadow Lake area, aren't there? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of good drivers from the Meadow Lake area. Okay, good stuff. So, what do you think of this Global Cup format, where you're actually going to be competing for your nation? So, you're going to be because uh, it's you know bull riding is a fairly individual sport. What's it going to be like to uh, you know hoping the other Canadians do well and maybe hoping that uh, the guys from the other countries get some nasty bulls? Yeah, yeah, you know uh, it's it's awesome. You know, growing up as a as a kid watching the Olympics and stuff like that, I've always wanted to represent Canada and this is kind of the way we get to do it in our sport so you know it's awesome you know hope hope for the best for everyone and even the guys on the other countries you know but uh it should be good what's it like being on the circuit with these guys like obviously you're competing against each other but it's not like hockey or football where you yourself could go out and do anything to stop the other guy from having having a good ride. Despite the competition, is there a lot of camaraderie, or how would you describe it? Exactly. That's it. The camaraderie is second to none. You know, you travel around with these guys for, I don't know, 250 days out of the year, you know, so they become really, really close to you, just like brothers. So, you know, when you ride, you watch your best friend ride, you know, you're cheering for him just as much. All right. What do you do? Because I I know from, and I, I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but I would I would cover a few rodeos every summer when I worked in in Lloydminster. So you'd go out, you know, I'd go to Lee Park or sometimes to Wainwright or Bonneville. And I, I used to love standing behind the chutes because the, the, the riders, whether they were doing bulls or saddle bronc, like they knew the livestock, right? So do you... Will you actually like watch video of the bulls that you might draw to scout them, or what happens there? Yeah, you know each each rider is different, and I personally try to stick to the side of not knowing the bull. But uh, you know, being in a sport so long, you definitely get to see the bull. It's kind of the same bulls on the same circuit kind of deal, so you see them multiple times in a year. So yeah, you kind of get tend to get to know the bulls for sure. But at the same time, you got to go at it with, uh, it doesn't matter what the bull does. You just match a move for move. Okay. Cody, well, it's great to have you on the show. So Rogers Place uh, tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday at 7. People can go to rogersplace.com. They can check out the uh, PBR website or just uh, Google PBR Global uh, Cup. Uh, your last name is Cover and then C-H-U-K if people want to look you up as well. Um, you're from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. Uh, our, our, I, you know, we did a CFL preview in the last half hour. You'll be happy to know I picked the Rough Riders on Sunday. <laughs> That's right. Go Rough Riders. Okay. Good stuff, Cody. Have, oh, by the way, have you been to Rogers Place yet? Did you get to go in? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I got to go in there one time. It's a beautiful new building. Okay. Well, enjoy the show tomorrow, Cody. It'll be fun following the event. Thanks for coming on tonight, and great stuff for you uh, representing your family and your father all this season. Good for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
That is Meadow Lakes Cody Coverchuk. He'll be representing Canada. PBR Global Cup starts tomorrow at Rogers Place. Uh, PBR puts on a great show. Bull riding is it, it's quite a spectacle, and I've been lucky enough to watch it from from very close. And uh, watching was certainly enough <laughs> enough for me. I don't think I need the experience of actually getting on a, one of those beasts. Good to have Cody on the program. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Oh, is this wild side by Motley Crue? It is. Well, this fits our next guest. We're going to get to him in 20 seconds. NHL tonight, Maple Leafs leading the Wild 3-1 in the third. After two, Rangers up 3-1 on the Bruins. Lightning and Sharks coming up a little bit later on. The Lightning 11-2-2 on the season. Loyal listener and texter Sam G writing in tonight. He says, Reed, I'm picking the Eskimos, but it'll be a closer game than we are all expecting, and I'll pick the Red Blacks in the East game, but again, a close game as well. That is from Sam G. CFL Division Semifinals on Sunday. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brenton Dreger, one of, the, uh, one, of the, one of the bosses in the news department, comes up to me and says, uh, hey, hey, Reed, do you know Brendan over in the newsroom? And I said, no, I don't. And uh, they and Brenton says, "Well, would you like to talk to him?" I said, "Well, I really don't like mingling with other coworkers." <laughs> and Brenton says, "No, you should you should you should talk to him. He's he's got a great story." And it turns out he does. So like this was great to book the next guest. I, all, all I had to do was send an internal email. Brendan Mason, who's on the show right now, you hear him on six thirty Chet on iNews eight eighty. Brendan, how's it going? Uh, not too bad. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on the show. So here we are. This this is interesting. Uh, you are you're on your way to Vegas right now. I am right now. I'm just hanging out in Calgary, and I'm heading down to Vegas tomorrow morning. All right. So you're going to be competing in the world's toughest mudder, M U D D E R. So my first question: What the heck is that? So world's toughest mudder is an extreme endurance obstacle course race. It's a uh, not like a regular Spartan or Tough Mudder where it's 15 k or so. It's measured in time, and the time period is 24 hours to get as many miles as you can. So what, you just start at a point and you just go for as far as you can? Or is it times around a circuit? How do they do it? They have a five-mile course with 20 obstacles per, per lap, and you just do as many laps as you can until the horn stops. Oh, my goodness. So are you doing this solo, or are you part of a team? Last year I took it on solo, but this year I've teamed up with three other Albertans, and we're running as Team Canada in the national team relay category. So how did you qualify for this? Did you have to win something else? No, it was just uh, I got kind of roped into it by some friends and paid my way, and there we go. We applied to be Team Canada this year, and we got, the, we got one of the two spots, so... All right. Now, Brendan, I, I don't know you very well. Uh, as you know, I'm not the warmest guy around the office. So, so <laughs> how, how old are you? I'm 22. And how, how long have you been doing this mutter stuff? I started, I got my first tough mutter under my belt when I was 19, and last year was my first time down in Vegas, and I just turned 21. All right. So the how extreme are, are we talking about for obstacles then? Well, the uh, signature obstacle is a cliff jump, which is 35 feet into Lake, Lake Las Vegas. But what Tough Mudder is more known for is electric obstacles. Sorry, they, uh, what? They like to electrocute us. 
What? That doesn't sound safe or fun for that matter. <laughs> Tell me about this. So one of their big obstacles is at the very end, at the at a regular Tough Mudder, you get a beer at the end, but to earn it, you have to go through this thing called electroshock therapy. It's about a 30-foot wide or long corridor that has live wires dangling from it, so every time you get hit by the wire, you get the shock. Is it possible to avoid the wires? On, on a good day, yeah, but from experience, it's better just to wear them and get through it as quick as, can, as you can. <laughs> and, then, and then you get a beer at the end of every lap? Uh, at a regular Tough Mudder, yes. This one, no beer until the end, unfortunately. But you still get electrocuted. Yep. That doesn't sound like a good deal at all. It sounds like a terrible deal, but worth it at the end. <laughs> all right. There, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. First time ever on Inside Sports. Electrocution is worth it. <laughs> Kids listening at home, don't don't take that seriously. All right. What about this cliff jump? You're 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 jumping 35 feet down into a lake. That's part of the race. That is one of it's their big obstacle in Vegas. They uh, build a nice little ramp, or not ramp, but like a platform over over a cliff. And uh, at midnight, like it's not open for the first half of the race. They like to taunt us, <laughs> but at midnight they they open it up. And if you don't do it, it's a half mile penalty. So it's worth it's worth the thirty five foot fall. Oh, so you'd have to take a little detour if you didn't do it. Okay, so yeah. you're so you're part of a team. So it was like. It, it, does one guy do a full lap and then somebody else goals, or how does the relay work? Our relay is going to work. We're going to do teams of two. We have to always have 50% of our team on course. Oh, okay. So we're going to be running with teams of two and alternating every lap. Okay, so you'll get a, And how long is a lap going to take? We're, our plan is to average over the full 24 hours, uh, an hour and a half per, per lap. Okay. And that'll keep us on a, on a pretty good pace. What do you do to train for this? I uh, I ran lots in the River Valley. I know that's where my teammates did too. We just spent lots of time on the trails there. And there's an obstacle gym in Edmonton called City Fit Shop that was fun to play around on and work on obstacle technique and build grip strength. Well, I hope you've done something because I run in the River Valley all summer, but it doesn't prepare me to be electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> that's one that I just can't prepare for. I'm, I've accepted that those 10 seconds that it's going to happen are going to suck. And all right. Deal with it. All right, so uh, what, you start at noon on when, Saturday? Yeah, noon on Saturday, November 11th, and we wrap up at noon Sunday, November 12th. Now, how many teams are you up against? I believe there's 14 teams this year in our category. Okay. And then 1,600 racers have registered this year overall. Oh, wow. Do you you think you might win it? We have a pretty good shot at coming within the top five, but there's some pretty pretty solid teams that are running some, some real beasts. Some professionals. Okay, so some people do this a lot more regularly than you guys do it. Yeah, some of these guys make it their job. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, this sounds incredible. I look forward to talking to you uh, when you get back. Uh, you know where my desk is, and this time I, I promise to take my headphones off and not pretend like I'm <laughs> listening to Def Leppard, okay? Perfect. <laughs> Brendan, thanks for checking in. I really hope it goes well. Thank you very much. That is my co-worker, Brendan Masonouf from iNews 880 and 630 Chad, the newsroom. So he's doing the world's toughest mutter in Vegas this weekend. That's incredible. Wow. I, I, I'm flabbergasted by the electrocution part of the race. I mean, could you, maybe the NHL should have that in shootouts. Okay, so you get to go in, but when you skate over the blue line, you're going to get a little bit of an electric shock. <laughs> Eskimos uh, coming up on Sunday.
It'll be on Kiss and Country 103.9. Oilers tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show, 5 o'clock for the start of the game here on 6.30 Ched. They're visiting the New Jersey Devils. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Besides Brendan Mason, who have you heard from Cody Coverchuk, Bull Rider, CFL Roundtable with Zamperin and Nye. Brandon Zilstra was on the show. Mike Wilner remembered Roy Halladay and Kelly Rudy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. I'll talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.